Um, <laughs> so about 10 days ago, uh, we called a, a guy to come to our house. He's a builder. There's a couple of doors that are rotting out in our house. And uh, we asked him to give us a quote on doing some repairs on these doors. And so he, he comes and he takes a look and he gives us some advice. But it doesn't take long. We start talking about some other things. And, and, uh, and he just starts getting uh, amped and excited. And he's, he's kind of taken over the conversation. And he starts to tell us about, uh, he grew up here in South Africa. Uh, but when he was a young guy, he moved overseas to Greece. And now he'd spent about 25 years in Greece. And in Greece, he got a really good job, and he loved his job. And he kind of poured his life into his job. He said he worked every week, six days a week, and often evenings as well. And so he just worked, 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 worked. And then somewhere about a year or two ago, he said he had a heart attack. And he actually just barely pulled through from this heart attack. And after his heart attack, he really had a bit of a, a wake-up call. You know, if that would have been the end, what did I live for? What do people know about my life? And he said all anyone would have said, even his own family, was, you worked. And he's like, something's got to change. Like, I, I don't want the, the story of my life to be a, a guy who worked for some company. <laughs> And so he decided um, it was time for drastic changes in his life. And so he moved back to South Africa to try to find a, a quieter place, pace of life. And so he got here uh, maybe last year sometime. And, uh, and then somewhere along the way, about six, seven months ago, he got invited to Josh Jen Edgemead. So one of the other Josh Jen congregations over in Edgemead. And, uh, and he gets there. And he's, he's welcomed and he's, he's enjoying the, the, the friendliness, the fellowship. He's in, brought into community and he's really, really plugging in and, and loving it. But he said he did find it really strange when all these people were speaking in tongues. Yeah, it was a bit like a cult. And actually, if you think about it, Paul writes in Corinthians, he says, if an unbeliever comes in and you're all speaking in tongues, Paul's exact words, I believe, is, they'll think you're out of your minds. <laughs> so his observation's not so far off. But anyways, as he's plugging in into the life of the church there, not that long in, maybe he's there a month or two, and uh, he hears a message, and someone presents the gospel, and he is just convicted. And there, he gives his life to Jesus. He repents of his sins, and he calls on the name of the Lord. And as he does this, and some of the people from the church, they come and they start praying for him. <laughs> Jeff knows where I'm going now. It only takes a couple minutes, and he is speaking in tongues at the front of the church. <laughs> and so he came to give us like this quote on fixing doors, but all he really wanted to talk about was what God was doing in his life the last six months. From a man who his testimony had been just last year, I was a man who worked. So now he was learning what it was like to be part of a, uh, a family. In particular, he spoke about it was the first time in his life he'd had like older men speak into his life. Elders helping him make life decisions and choices. And at first it seemed strange, but even now, just six months in, he's just relishing that, that feedback and that input. And...
Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot that part. I actually I asked him to send me a voice note of, of his testimony, but he didn't get to it. So I, I, this was a bit off, off memory, but my wife is just reminding me. He, uh, on that very first day, then uh, he had gone back home, and then the next few days, he's at home, and he just keeps hearing voices. And so finally, after like day two or three, he contacts one of the elders, and he says, like, I think I'm losing my mind. And the guy says, no, God's speaking to you, man. It's okay. <laughs> you know, it's the Holy Spirit. You've got a, 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 the God is living inside of you. Yeah. And I share this story tonight because I want to encourage us to be a people who will go out and share our faith. Who will share our faith with our, our neighbors, our co-workers, our families, with strangers, with everybody. You know, I think it's easy to sort of get to a point, especially if you come to church for a long time, where you sort of think like everyone already knows, or the, maybe the, the neighbor or your one brother-in-law who hasn't known the Lord for a long time, you've told them a few times and it seems like a closed door, and so you've kind of just stopped sharing your faith. But the truth is, you don't know when something changes in someone's life. And this guy went for 25 years closed, not interested in the gospel. And just like that, his life is transformed. And I want to encourage us. There are people all around us who are in need of the good news of salvation. There's people all around us who are hungry for more, that are looking for more in this life than they can find in the workplace, than they can find in the things that the world has to offer. And yeah, really part of my prayer today is that we as a church would open our eyes and pray and say, God, help me to see. Help me to see those around me right now. It's not like it needs to be new people necessarily, but just people who are around me right now who need to hear the good news about Jesus Christ. I think it's also very easy for us to forget what we were saved from. It's easy to forget the joy of our initial salvation. And uh, the first verse I want to put up is uh, Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23. And they say this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see, every single one of us that is here today, and everyone who is outside this room, we have all sinned. We have all fallen short of God's standard of God's holiness. And Romans 6.23 tells us that because we've all sinned and fallen short, the wages, the cost of that sin is actually death. It's actually death. But the good news is in the second part of the verse. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, it's the beautiful, incredible thing that Jesus does on the cross. Is he takes the penalty that should have been ours, which is death, and then he gives us what is his, which is eternal life. That is the great exchange. That he would take what we deserve, and he would give us what he has. Now this week as I was preparing, there's a verse I hadn't really noticed before. It's from Acts 26. I'm, I'm going to put it up. And actually when uh, Dave was up here, he, he mentioned the word contrast. And I want us to see, um, when we look at this verse, it's Acts 26, 18. I want us to see the contrast in this verse 
between those who are walking in darkness and those who have come into right relationship with Jesus Christ. So in the verse, even though it's in the book of Acts, this is actually Jesus talking. Okay? It's actually Jesus talking, and he's talking to Paul, and he's talking to Paul about his, his, uh, his mission of being sent to the Gentiles. Sorry, my family's distracting me here. Oh, like that. Okay, so Jesus is talking. He's talking to Paul, and he's talking about his, his mission of being sent to the Gentile churches. And, he's, and Jesus says to Paul, you've been sent to open their eyes, turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. What a verse. What a verse. Notice the incredible contrast between those ver- the, the, the different parts of that verse. So first, to open their eyes. The implication is they're currently blind. They're currently blind and they need their eyes opened. And then he wants to turn them from darkness to light. Just like that builder who I mentioned. I mean, from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to the power of God. I mean, not only does he want to break every single person free from the power of the enemy, but after he gives them freedom, he wants them to walk now in the very power of God. That they will receive forgiveness of sins. That Again, look at the contrast from walking in sin to walking in forgiveness. Walking in freedom. Those, those, that weights that we carry. Lifted off our shoulders. And finally, and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. You see, before we know Jesus, we are very much in a place where we are lost and lonely and without purpose. You know, that's very much how this guy would have described how he had been living. Lonely and without a purpose. And yet, after coming to Christ, he found a place among those who are being, sanctified just means being made right among God's people. He found a place, a home, a family. And they are set apart by faith in him. They're set apart. They're given a purpose. And so I want to say to us today, Do not forget the joy of your salvation. When we had our prayer meeting at the beginning, one of the words that came out a number of times is the word overflow. You know, that we would live in a place of overflow. And I think that's so important for us when we talk about sharing our faith, that it would come from an overflow of the joy of our salvation. You know, I think sometimes there's a place in our Christian walk where maybe out of conviction or a, a tap of the Holy Spirit, we go and we share the gospel with someone. And there's nothing wrong with that. That can be healthy. But I think most of the time, most of the time, our motivation for sharing our faith ought to come from the joy of our own salvation. Most of the time, the motivation for sharing our faith ought to come from that place of overflow, of God has given this incredible gift to me, and I just want to share it with you. And it'll change how we approach it when it comes from that place of overflow from the joy of what God has done inside of us. Yeah, I remember for me as a, as a young guy, the first time really encountering the Lord. I was 16 years old. I'd gone to church my whole life, but I'd never met 
Jesus. And I was 16 and I met him at this place. It was a, it was a Christian Bible camp. And uh, at that camp, it, it was just, God went from, I don't know, like I said before, this old guy who's up in the sky and we sang from hymnals and all these things that, that meant nothing to suddenly he was my Lord and my Savior and he, and he heard my prayers and he answered them. And he set me free from my sin and my selfishness and he gave me a new name and calling and purpose. You know, I think it can be easy for our world to sort of rationalize away all kinds of arguments or points about religion or about faith, whether this is real or that is real. But if you have a testimony inside of you of what God has done in your heart and how you met him and he called your name and he set you free from the burdens and the baggage that you were carrying, that goes beyond people's defenses and touches their heart. And I really feel like it, it draws people in. When Ryan was preaching last Saturday night, he, uh, he read from John chapter 13 verse 34 and 35. And as he read this, he said, you know, guys, as a church, here's a reminder. In a few weeks from now, we're giving an incredible opportunity by having a, a five-fold evangelist come to lead some, some meetings for us. I think August 23rd, you said, was the day? August 23rd. And this is a huge opportunity for us to bring people that we know, that we've been praying for, that we love, for them to come and hear the gospel. And God has gifted this man. He, he walks in the anointing of God in this area that when he preaches, people hear it with different ears. So maybe if it's someone you've been kind of trying to share the good news with for a long time, they just haven't heard you. Maybe there's a good chance for you to bring them with. But as Ryan talked about that, encouraged us in preparing for this. He said, actually, Jesus' strategy for evangelism is very simple. And he gives it in these verses. This is Jesus' strategy for evangelism. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men or everyone will know that you are my disciple. If you love one another. I want to say to us, when there is that joy inside of us from our own salvation combined with the love of God on the outside of us and we are acting out God's love with our own hands and our own feet people will be drawn to God again when when on the inside of you you are filled with the joy of the Lord from what he has done in your life that's what's on the inside and what's on the outside is you acting as Jesus hands and feet Sharing, loving, being generous, being kind, using words of encouragement. Actively being the hands of feet. People can see what's on the outside. They can't see what's on the inside, but they can see the love of God in you by what you do on the outside. When those two things come together, the gospel moves forward. The gospel moves forward. It breaks 
boundaries and barriers that people set up, especially mental or intellectual ones, because they know they need that joy that is inside of you. And they want that love that they see reflected on the outside of you. Now these words, I'm going to pull, you want to keep those two verses up. Um, These two verses, Jesus shares them, or he speaks them, right after the story of the Lord's, the Last Supper. Okay, so he's just spent um, the first time where he broke bread and wine with his disciples, and it's literally the day before he's crucified. And these are some of his words that he shares during that time period. And so they're they're words that are really important to him, that he's sharing to his disciples that he knows he's going to be leaving soon. And I want to pick out just four things from these couple of verses to help us grow in these things. And the first is just at the beginning of the verse, it says, a new command I give you. How many of you that were there in Somerset West when uh, Andrew preached on being slaves of God? Uh, Roughly half, okay? So not too long ago, um, a bunch of us had gone to Somerset West, and uh, the guy who started Josh Jen, his name's Andrew, he preached on being a slave of God. That's a hard thing for us in today's world to hear. But as we see in this verse, Jesus doesn't suggest, he doesn't encourage, he commands his disciples. How does he have the authority to command them? Because he's their Lord. He's their Lord. He's their God. I know even practically when Mary Eve and I, when we first came to Josh Chan about 10 years ago, sometimes the elders would, uh, would give a direction, a com- not a command, but even a request. Okay, one of those was, kind of like recently, there was a request 10 years ago for a season to not look to outside resources, but to read your own Bible. And if you want to listen to a preach, listen to one inside the field of 412. Well, 10 years ago, when we heard that for the first time, we were allergic to it, I'll be honest. (laughs) Yeah, you know, as as Canadians, we're very individualistic. (laughs) And uh, we have very much a flat view of democracy, and we bring that into the church. And so we struggled to have someone in the Lord give us instructions on something that was not a right or wrong issue. It's not right or wrong to listen to, to a credible Bible teacher from some other place. It, it, it's a good thing, actually. But there is a season to say, okay, we feel in the Lord it's important just to, to focus on God's word. But because of our background as, as Canadians, to have another human like tell us, hey, this is what I'm asking you to do, That was not easy for us. But here Jesus, he says to his disciples, look, this this is a command that I'm giving you. If you are going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, I would say to you, these words are not optional. When we call him Lord, we need to be intentional about obeying his commands. And so this is a command of his. And his command is very simple, to love one another. Now remember, he's saying this with just the 12 that are there. So when he's saying one another in this verse, he's meaning not the whole world. He's meaning your other brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay? 
Now, absolutely, the Bible's very clear. God loves the whole world. He calls us to love everyone. But the Bible is also very clear that in an extra way, in a special way, in an additional way, God is calling us to love one another inside the household of God, inside the body, inside the church. And yeah, and through that, by us really loving one another, just like that builder at the beginning, he took note of how the congregation was living. And that opened his ear to, to the message that they were preaching. And so in the same way, I want to encourage us to be a people that love one another, to go the extra mile for one another. You know, uh, about five, six weeks ago, Blake, I actually haven't seen if Blake is here. Oh, oh Michelle's here. But about five, six weeks ago, was the, I think the first time Blake shared on the microphone in church. And uh, he really enjoyed it, I think, eh? For those that were here, yeah. <laughs> um, but when Blake got the microphone, he, he basically just said, look, if you guys are not in community group, you're missing out. And then he gave his reasons why. And every reason he gave why was basically connected with loving one another. In community, he found a place where... People would listen to one another. People would pray for one another. He found a place where people would assist one another and care for one another. He found a place where there was family, where there was genuine love. And out of discovering that for himself, he just overflowed and he said, look, for all the rest of you, if you're not in community group yet, come and join. You don't know what you're missing out. You see, this verse, loving one another, it's actually, we can't do that here just at Sunday meetings. So like a critical command of Christ, we can't actually do at Sunday meetings. That's why church should never be a Sunday thing. Church is a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday thing, just as much as it's a Sunday thing. Because that's our opportunity to live out Christ's command of loving one another. In a way that when we're gathered here in numbers, with microphones and these things, we just can't do. One second. <laughs> And then the, the third piece I want us to take note of from this verse is that it's, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples. There is a witness that goes out to the whole world. All men, everyone will know that we are disciples of Jesus when we love one another. You know, you've got to remember the disciples in this situation, they have just finished walking with Jesus for three years. And the same way that they watched Jesus give sight to the blind, cause the lame to walk, even seeing the dead come back to life. The disciples in the following chapters, the same miracles will happen through them. And yet, Jesus doesn't say, by watching someone walk on water, you will know that he is the Son of God. No. He says, by watching people love one another, they will know that he is the Son of God. And so the disciples, that was the message they carried with them as they planted the church. Look, praise God for signs, wonders, and miracles. But the church is not founded on them. The church is founded, the witness of the church is founded on us loving one another. And this is for everyone. Young, old, man, woman, boy, girl, black, white, colored, Canadian, South African. It's for everyone. You know, I love Galatians 3.28 says, 
There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This good news is for everyone. And I'll be honest, it's healthy when you see in a church that people have given up their old identity. Okay, our world out there, whether you're from Canada or South Africa or any other place, we try, as societies, we try to get people to find their identity in a million different things. But in the church of Jesus Christ, we ought to put those identities to the side and take on a new primary identity. And that new primary identity is, you know, once people looked at me and they said, you're this or you're that, uh uh-uh, not anymore. Now I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. All those other worldly identities are secondary or washed away because of what Christ has done in my life. And the fourth thing I want us to take note of is the standard, back to that uh, John 13 verse. The standard of whether we are loving one another well is not based on what you're feeling or what someone else says about you. The standard of whether or not you're loving one another well in the church is are you loving the same way Jesus did? Are you loving the same way Jesus did? A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. That's the standard. As I have loved you. So these verses, again, they're they're sandwiched between the Last Supper and the crucifixion. So how did Jesus love? How did Jesus love those around him? Well, at the Last Supper, we see even though he's their Lord and even though he gives them commands, he also is very willing to take the towel, bend a knee, and go around and wash his disciples' feet. So how do we love one another as a church? Well, one of the ways we show that love is by serving one another. With a serving love. A community group on Wednesday, Michelle, she was testifying how uh, recently she had had her, her car break down a few weeks ago. And, uh, and how Andre had come to, to help her fix her car. But since Andre was right there, Andre was able to say, well, you know what, when I got the message, I looked at it and I thought, you know what, here is someone else in the church who has just had a new baby, has had a baby who's been in hospital a lot, and has had to drive tremendous distances to stay at uh, grandma and grandpa's and trying to juggle all these different things. I mean, she needs help. And she needs it like now. And so Andre actually dropped what he was doing to go and help Michelle fix her car. It's an act of service. It's a serving love. Those are ways that we show love to one another. That's one example. It's a serving love. Jesus, in the following verses, as I said, was the crucifixion. That is a sacrificial love. Now, we could go through all kinds. I'm only going to give a couple examples of of the love of Christ. But a serving love is one. The second one I want to highlight is a sacrificial love. And uh, and maybe the Lord just kind of wants to encourage Andre today, but I'm going to use him as an example again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was his birthday this week, so he he needs it, you know. (laughs) Um, So, at Calm as well, this is why you need to go to community, so you get testimonies. At Calm as well, Andre shared how uh, the Lord's just been giving him a heart recently for the homeless. 
It's something the Lord's really been doing in his heart. And so he found himself not too long ago on this uh, parking lot somewhere in Cape Town. And it, in Somerset West. And it's a, a cold, raining night. And he starts a conversation with a, a homeless lady. And there's a temptation to, I'm sure, cut the conversation shorter. To find something more comfortable. It is not comfortable standing outside in the night, in the cold, in the rain. But he felt like God is calling him to, to be a witness, to be a light. And so he engaged and he actually had an incredible conversation with this lady. And was able just to hear her story and encourage her. Were you able to pray for her? And what he was able to pray for her? And my point is just, there's a piece of that that is a very sacrificial love. Sacrificing time and physical comfort. It's not physically comfortable to be outside standing in the rain. See, my clock is getting away from me. <laughs> That's what happens when you've been gone a long time. You know, you've got a lot of things to say. <laughs> okay, third one. We'll make this the last one. Third one. The w- third way that Jesus showed love to his disciples was really quite simple. Spending time with them. Jesus was on the road for three years spending time with his disciples. He ate with them. They went to feasts together. They went to funerals together. They hiked together. They went up mountains together. They prayed together. As well, I would also say, not only did he spend time with them, but we see a number of stories where he's listening to the people that he's with. Whether it's the story of Nicodemus or the story of the woman at the well, a way we show love to one another is is listening to one another. Spending time listening, trying to understand other people, where they're coming from and their stories, and being intentional about being in each other's homes. Now, Jesus, he didn't have a house. So his home was under the, the stars, but that's where he spent his time with his disciples, traveling from place to place. And that maybe just connects us again with Ryan's message from last Sunday and You know, Julian said on Mondays now, he's opening his house from 7 to 8. That's one awesome opportunity. But we want to grow in that, where we as a congregation, all of us are loving one another in the manner of spending time together. So I want to encourage all of us, open your house to one another. I saw, I think, Dave yesterday had a bride at your house. Is that right? Yeah, come on. You know, have people over for brides. Um... You know, there's all kinds of things you can do together, whether it's going to the beach, whether it's having a braai. Um, and some of those times, as you go on hikes or whatever you do, be intentional about spending some time in prayer together. Be intentional about asking each other how you're doing, encouraging one another. So it's both spending time together, it's how you love one another, but use that time for kingdom purposes as well. So it's not just a social hangout, but it's an opportunity to socialize and to speak life to one another. Just like that guy. I mean, he he came to my house to give me a quote on building doors. He didn't have to share with me anything about the testimony of what God was doing in his life. And yet there was that joy inside of him from recent fresh salvation that just boiled over. And I mean, he chatted with us for probably half an hour, just telling us the story of what God's been doing in his life. So, Let's love one another the way Jesus loved his disciples. And so as you get an opportunity even there, just to read your Bible and read how Jesus loved other people, 
pray and ask God, God, how, how do I love people the same way? And trust that as we love one another, as we love people the way Jesus did, the gospel will go forth. The gospel will go forth. And that is really my prayer for us for today, is that we would be intentional about opening up our homes, opening up our lives, and sharing what God has done in us with those who are around us. In closing, I do want to just give an opportunity to respond, especially if you're sitting here and you don't know where, where you're at with the Lord. Myself, last year, it's almost exactly a year ago, that uh, doctor told me I had seven days to live without treatment. And uh, I became very, very sick. I had leukemia. And I remember those first seven days, not really knowing which you know, direction my, my life was going to go. As I lay there, <laughs> my wife actually shared me a picture this week of me, <laughs> me in the hospital bed, um, basically unresponsive. It's like, hey, just, that one goes for the recycling bin, I thought, but, you know. Um, <laughs> during that time, there were really only a few things that were on my mind and in my heart. Number one was, am I ready to meet the Lord? And connected directly with that is, is my wife and are my children ready to meet the Lord? There was not a lot, or maybe more fair to say, there was nothing on my mind about, why didn't I buy a bigger house? You know, I'd always kind of wanted a trip holiday to Hawaii. Why didn't I, I do that? <laughs> You know, none of those things mattered to me. And as I lay there, I realized, like, everyone who gets to this point in a hospital bed has those same questions, has those same thoughts. Am I ready to meet the one who's created me? What about those that, that I love and care for deeply, the church that I'm in? And I want you just to take a moment and I want you to ask yourself that question. Why don't we pray together? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you created us. I thank you that you know us so intimately, so well. I thank you that you love us and you showed your love to us in many ways, and ultimately you showed your love to us by giving your life on the cross to pay for our sins. And this afternoon, God, I, I pray that as we've opened your word and, and seen your example of, of love and seen your encouragement to, to share this good news that is available, that we would also get to that point that we would ask, am I ready? And so just as we're praying, if, if, if you think about that question, you know, you need to make right with God. You need to meet with the one who made you, your creator, here and now, while there's still time. 
I'd love to just invite you just while, while we're praying, just to lift your hand. If there's anyone who says, that's me, I, I need to make right with my God. If you need to do that today, just lift your hand and we'll pray for you. I'll pray together with you afterwards. Is there anyone here like that? It's all right. God, I thank you for today. I thank you that this morning you gave every single one of us in this room the breath to live. And I thank you that as has come up a few times today, God, you are not far away. And Lord, it is our heart today that every one of us, that we would leave here walking in the fullness of you, walking from a place of overflow. So that as we, as your people, as we leave this place, Lord, that we would share the hope that you've given us. I pray to God that you would help us to grow in our love for one another. Even just thinking back again to, to Laura's um, words she brought before, just f- feeling that there might be some here who, who have never felt the love of God for them, have never felt the love of God in their life. I want to say to, to every one of us that is here today, God loves you. He loves you more than you will ever know. He, he created you in your mother's womb and he's the one who gives you life today. He calls you by name and he has plans and purposes for you. He, he doesn't want you to be, finish your life as someone who is known to, to work and work really hard. But he wants you to find your identity in his family as his son and as his daughter. And I, maybe 